Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. We are in the Big Apple. We are in New York City. Matt has just ordered a cocktail called Confession. What are you confessing to, Matt? <laughs> We're freestyling this podcast. Well, yes. we, we sure Matt's are. ordered tequila at, at, at 4.20pm. No, but time we, is irrelevant. Is, <laughs> we've never... Well, we've briefly met New York Matt before, but we've never spent spent a lot of time with New York Matt before, and I feel like it's... It's already revelatory. Yeah. I thought you were going in for the cocktail as I well. Was, I, I was. I, I had was, my order um, ready. I was flirting with the Park Avenue Spritz, but but in the end, opted for a dry Riesling from Finger Lakes, New York. <laughs> so I've gone local. And I've had a Diet Coke. So, you know, you can take the boy out of Solihull. <laughs> anyway, um, the first of our US Open podcasts and yes this is a bit on the fly we've got to be quite honest we've, we've all been up since about 4am not about David we've all we've all been up since 4am yeah Catherine Whitaker, Matt Roberts and myself David Law if you've never listened to us before for about thousand shows and 10 years we've been talking about tennis and we're going to be doing that every single day of the US Open over the next fortnight and uh, Catherine has had the least sleep of us all for a very good reason Catherine very uh well earned three hours well, of sleep I would say for an agglomeration of a number of a number of reasons some of them not so good i.e. leaving packing till quite late prioritising watching Love Island USA um, but also the fact that at the time when I was just trying to get my three and a half hours sleep uh, Maxime Cressy who I've picked in the predictions this week was headed headlong for a, a deciding set tiebreak with Lorenzo Sonigo and I just couldn't I I it was it was game over forgetting when you know a, a deciding set tiebreak is about to happen sleep sleep is game over anyway so two and a half hours sleep alarm goes off unhappy Catherine <laughs> <laughs> yes I woke up at 4am or whatever it was and said Catherine would you like some good news 
Catherine said, is it the Maxine Cressy score? <laughs> she already knew it, of course, because she'd been watching it. How disappointing. <laughs> um, well, you can hear New York sounds all around. We can hear some sort of emergency services truck going by by the sounds of things. We've just heard an enormous crate of ice cubes being pushed past us here in this uh, in this bar that is filling up as um, sort of I don't know what, what what sort of crowd would this be? This is the after work crowd that it's is a combination to come of tourist crowd, us and <laughs> sort of vibesy after work crowd. Yeah, this is a good mix indeed. So we're, we're not at Flushing Meadows today. We're going to be going there tomorrow for Media Day, which is when all the top players in the world are going to be coming in to talk to us uh, in their press conferences. We're going to see the final round of uh, the qualifying. So lots, lots to look forward to over the next few days before the tournament gets underway. But we've already been in the plane and in the car and arriving to the draw reveal, Matt. This is our thing, isn't it? Going to Grand Slams, getting in a taxi and the draw happening. We had it in Paris a few months ago and we had it here today. But I didn't feel as bad about it because, as you said, and as Catherine sighed, it was a draw reveal rather than an actual draw. And that's always always a diminished experience. But yes, we do do have draws and that is still exciting because that feels like the tournament is here. And and I mean, just... In general, it's exciting to be here, hearing all these extraordinary sounds, because I I still remember, Catherine, you're staying in the hotel that you were in three years ago, and I remember all those podcasts that we recorded in the lobby of the hotel, Mm. getting out of the car and hearing all those noises and the sirens that we've just been listening to. I mean, there is nothing quite like this place. Yeah, especially the fact that... these church bells consistently go off six minutes early or 24 minutes late. I've been tracking them now for the two hours that I've been at this establishment. Uh, we're on uh, 50th and Park um, it's at St. Bart's Church. And, yeah, the, the bells go off at 24 and 54 minutes past the hour. We, we didn't do that, by the way, that, that clash. That wasn't us. <laughs> Yes, I feel like our US Open pods the last two years have been very quiet podcasts, haven't they? They've all been mm. recorded at, either at Tennis Podcast Towers. I was staying in my in my caravan in 2020. Oh, my. Um, and, you know, that was just how we had to cover the tournament, and we dealt with it. But it wasn't very US Open-y. I, you there know. were no confessions in the caravan. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember listening to your podcast in 2019, when you were both here and I was I was at home and you were recording in the taxi and in the hotel lobby and it was it was buzzy it was US Open and hopefully we'll we'll have a bit of that this fortnight yeah we'll, we'll have a bit of everything really we don't exactly know what to expect over the next couple of weeks but the experience generally I think we can be pretty much guaranteed is probably as close to what it was three years ago as it has been since the pandemic began because I was talking to Russell Fuller who was here covering the tournament for BBC Radio earlier today he was he was covering it a year ago when Emma Raducanu won the title and he was one of a very small handful of journalists that was here that were here from the UK and he said the US Open itself was still quite busy but the the streets of Manhattan where we where we've been walking along today and which 
frankly to me feel normal they feel like they did three years ago he said they were pretty much deserted a year ago and that was a, a jarring experience for somebody like him who'd who'd always been here and and had that buzz and had that vibe of the city and uh, look nowhere's been immune to the effects of the pandemic and and new york city has suffered more than many hasn't it um but it is great to be here we've We've all got a bit of jet lag started, I think. Matt's uh, designated a... a That's refusing to remove his sunglasses suspiciously. (laughs) (laughs) Matt's designated a... How many hours have you got to go until you can go to sleep officially? Four hours. Four countdown is on. I said you have to make it till eight. Those are the rules. I'm happy to abide by those rules. They sound like sensible rules. Okay. Well, I, if there's anything I know, it's it's sleep discipline. Oh, my confession's here. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> thank uh, you very much. Catherine's nice glass of wine has arrived, oh, and thank Matt's you. confession, which is a very strange, no, it's not looking it's, thing. It's very Don Draper, Matt. Mm. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> I'm not sure. You can't cheers without actually cheersing. Matt's not going to hold it together at the end of this podcast if he dra- nicks that. Um, mm, lovely. So we we arrived to New York today at about 11 o'clock local time and the draw had just been made and we were we were full of news to, to sort of land to I don't know I don't know about you Catherine this always happens to us <laughs> yeah it does doesn't it um, and actually you you have been spared the the saga haven't you the three day saga that you had in Australia where you were following two journalists to try to make head or tail of, uh, of the courtroom shenanigans that were going on that ultimately led to Novak Djokovic having to depart Australia without playing any matches well he's not here in New York either he withdrew on the eve of the draw we reckon about an hour before the draw was about to take place a press release was sent out and we we received it when we landed Catherine I'm one of these people that still holds on to the view that when you get on a plane you're out of touch with everybody and you don't get on the internet and you can watch stuff on the telly and you can read and and just separate yourself from from the the real world you did you were you in contact were you on the wi-fi i tried desperately to be but the uh, the british airways wi-fi was 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 not working oh okay <laughs> so so no i wasn't right so mm. it was as much of a sort of news moment for you as it was for the rest of us but it wasn't a surprise that Novak Djokovic ultimately is not playing this tournament No, I mean, look we flew on Thursday morning um, I I don't know the ins and outs of the, the CDC in the US but it it, it, would, it strikes me that they wouldn't make a fundamental policy change on a weekend, so basically there was there was one day post-draw um, for things to change um, materially for Novak Djokovic and the chances of that felt minuscule. I'm sure he had intel greater than than we had about the likelihood of that transpiring. So, yeah, I, I'm just relieved that he withdrew before the draw to prevent the lopsided draw because... We've seen a lot of lopsided draws recently, some by accident, some less by accident recently, and they they have an impact. They do, whether it be early on or late on or or whenever it might be, they do diminish things at some stage. It catches up with you. You do pay the price for a lopsided draw at some point, and I'm I'm very relieved that, that we don't have that. 
And I think his withdrawal is something that has felt like it's been coming, obviously, because this this rule about needing to be vaccinated to enter the United States hasn't changed, hasn't looked like changing. So it doesn't feel like a huge shock to land to that news. But it is still a massive deal, and, and it will probably be something that, you know, who knows how the, how the Grand Slam race will shake out, but if, if it ends up being that Rafael Nadal finishes one or two ahead of Novak Djokovic this tournament will be cited as one that Djokovic didn't play and you know we so often talk about the lengths that players go to to play Grand Slams you know Rafael Nadal in Australia this year what Serena Williams is doing at the moment what Andy Murray has done in, in the last few years the reverse is true here you know it, it, it's the lengths Djokovic is going to to not play a Grand Slam tournament and you know whatever you think about that decision the facts of it are that he's not playing a Grand Slam tournament and I still find that almost a little bit difficult to just process the sort of magnitude of that in the moment but it it is a really really big deal the guy who won the last major is not here for entirely his own reasons yeah I mean I think we've we've all been consistent that he should be vaccinated and giving himself a chance to play in this tournament um, I, I certainly still feel that. I I know there are a lot of people out there who think that some more efforts should have been made by the USTA to try to lobby for him to be given special dispensation to come and play this event. I personally, I don't believe that at all. Um, I My view is, yeah, I think maybe that look it sounds like that rule is going to change sooner or later it certainly has in the UK uh, and many other countries around the world and I think probably for consistency's sake I think that I'd I'd like to see that happen but I don't think any special rules should be made up for Novak Djokovic to come in I really don't Um, but it is a very strange situation as Matt says to, to just suddenly not have Novak Djokovic in the draw yeah, I mean, he is battling the race. He's battling his his peers, his competitors. I mean, he's already defeated Roger Federer, I, I think, in in the Grand Slam race, in my view, um, by overtaking him. But he's he's battling Rafael Nadal and Serena Williams in the Grand Slam race, and Margaret Court, if you want to open it up, um, and he's battling age. Um, and these are his defining battles you know it's not this is not it would be extraordinary if he were doing this in his 20s but to be doing it now with the okay he's he's defied time and age incredibly so far it always every now and then strikes me how little we talk about Novak Djokovic's age you know it's not that long ago that the world I know he's not the world number one but you know what I mean the the most dominant player in the world the guy that if he's in a draw you pick him to win that tournament being 35 would be mind-boggling but we barely ever talk about his age doesn't feel like a factor does it when you watch him play doesn't feel like a factor but at some point soon-ish it's going to catch up to him and, and the fact that he's making these decisions now with time as limited as it is is unbelievable really and I think it's actually quite difficult for us to process in the moment I think 
in 10 years time we'll do a great tennis relived episode about this and uh, we'll look back fondly on our hours in Melbourne Matt spent on a live stream of a courtroom um, but I think it's going to take a bit of time for us to really digest it and reflect on it and probably him as well yeah I mean he the fact is his decision making is having a a fundamental and significant effect on tennis history right now Um, and I think look there are are some people that would say they respect his determination to stand by what it is that he believes in even though I personally think it is a flawed reasoning but I do kind of I'm kind of respect the fact that he at least is standing by that um, and and just not playing the tournament Um, but it is extraordinary to think that that who knows maybe in a couple of years time we'll be looking back on Rafael Nadal sitting just ahead of him and Djokovic has voluntarily taken away opportunities for himself to catch well he, I mean Rafael Nadal might end up winning the two hard court majors this year if he wins this US Open he would have done that and you know I don't think he's beaten Novak Djokovic on a hard court in something like nine years so you know, if Djokovic were in those draws, you probably would have favoured him over Nadal. Um, just on, on that point you made about whether the USTA should have stepped in. I mean, they had they had the example of Tennis yeah. Australia in in January. I mean, they were just never going to do that, and nor should they. Yeah, I if I were think. a tennis governing body, I'd be going. How can we make sure that thing that happened in January doesn't happen to us? Because that was a clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be my starting point for negotiations. <laughs> yes, I think that's a very good way of putting it. Um, so, look, the draws have been made, uh, or rather they've just appeared out of thin air uh, instantly. Um, I know we've just been talking about Djokovic, but I'm going to start with the women's draw because that feels like it's got the biggest stories in it, um, simply because Serena Williams is in it and this is her final Grand Slam tournament or unless she has a change of heart and that doesn't seem likely we've seen pictures Catherine of her hitting balls and certainly the view I think you voiced and one that um, our colleague I think it was Chris Clary might have yeah, said was, yeah. was that well she looks a good bit more comfortable out there on the Arthur Stadium court hitting balls at the moment than she did when we last saw her on a match court in Cincinnati. Yeah, it looks it looks very very different to, to Cincinnati. I wasn't involved in Amazon's coverage of Cincinnati. My my colleague Marcus Buckland was presenting that, but I obviously watched a lot of the coverage and they in those early stages. Obviously, they were going huge on the Serena Raducanu stories. So they were doing lots of sort of build-up reportage pieces from Serena's practices and it was clear there was a slightly awkward tone to it all because they really wanted to big up that match-up why wouldn't you we all were doing the same but it was clear that they all were watching Serena thinking there's no way she can be competitive in this it's it's this isn't Serena sort of off her peak this is Serena not at the races um so it's quite difficult now because the the bar is so lowered um, and so unserena like the bar of what we consider to be um, encouraging but it's certainly 
she was she was more than just sort of not quite being in the right shape and the not men- right mentality in match fitness. There was clearly a, a also something specific going on in Cincinnati and injury. She had that taping on, didn't she? She does have tendonitis in the knee. There was something specific going on. It seems to me that she's from, on the basis of the fairly limited practice footage that that we've looked at online most of which I've been distracted by her lovely dog uh, just toddling around courtside Chip Chip Rafael Nadal yeah, Chip Christopher Rafael yeah, Nadal sorry, Chip what Christopher sort of dog? Rafael Nadal it's a I think a little Yorkie okay Te- smaller than Billie Jean teeny tiny oh. um, but anyway it looks it, it looks much improved on Cincinnati, but our eyes have obviously adjusted, Serena Williams-wise. So what that what improved on Cincinnati means in terms of facing Danka Kovinic, who, OK, is you know not a seed, not a big name, but she's a hardened pro. She beat Emma Raducanu at the Australian Open, didn't she? You know, that was the, the famous match where Raducanu discovered her slice forehand and ended up being really sort of thrilling and dramatic and competitive but Kovinic sort of breezed her way through all that drama that was happening down at the other end of the court I don't I think in terms of sort of being reeled into the Serena show I'm not sure she is a great opponent um, because I think she will just potentially do her thing Kovinic I believe she's much more at home on clay. I think that is her favourite surface. And I haven't been able to fact-check Pam Shriver on this, but why do I need to? It's Pam Shriver. (laughs) (laughs) I believe she said that Serena Williams has won more matches since Wimbledon than Danka Kovinic, and that would be the one that Serena won um, in Toronto. So I think you can read that draw two ways. I agree with you. She's a... She's, I'm going to use that word. She's a slightly tricky player if she's playing well. Um, and then if Serena does win that, then it's, it's potentially Annette Contivate in the second round. And again, ordinarily you would think, gosh, the second seed, that's a nightmare draw. Annette Contivate has not been playing second seed tennis for quite a while, but is still incredibly solid and would test massively an out-of-sorts Serena. So... I, I, I truly don't know what to expect from from Serena. What, what sort of ball does Kovinic hit? The reason I ask that is because my mind goes back to Harmony Tan and, and the slices and the, the dinks and the difficulties that she provided. And watching Emma Raducanu the other week against Serena, just having too much movement for her in, in the sort of state she was in. I just wonder whether... Because to me, Contivate, an up-and-down-the-court ball basher is tailor-made for Serena Williams to, to overpower um, on paper, but I, I can't really remember Kovinic. I mean, I think Serena would would be able to overpower Kovinic, and Kovinic doesn't have the variety that Harmony Tan has, for example. Yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting match-up. OK, well, I mentioned Emma Raducanu. What sort of draw has she got? I mean, well, she's got Elise Cornet in round one. Okay, so it's terrible. Elise <laughs> Cornet, who has played really well at the Slams this yeah. year, having you know declared that this is more or less her final full year on tour. I think she's planning to go to the French Open next year, and is playing really well at the moment as well. She's she's into the quarterfinals in Cleveland, I believe. So oh, yeah. she's in form. Just 
not someone you want to see in your draw, I don't think, mm-hmm. Alize Cornet. Such a great competitor, knows how to win matches at Grand Slams. I mean, it's it's certainly an eye-catching first round. I want to watch that, Raducanu Cornet. Absolutely. I, I, I don't think, you know, she'll... She will so love the fact that she's getting the chance to take on the defending champion, the famous Emma Raducanu, to, <laughs> to, to borrow and slightly alter a, a Daniil Medvedev quote. I think she will love all of that. Um, but then I think sort of Emma Raducanu will, will counter love that. I really think that's going to be an occasion. And Raducanu could lose it because, well, the world number one lost to Elise Cornet at Wimbledon. You know, in a Grand Slam particularly, she is the definitive tricky. Yeah. Um, and I uh, that worries me because you know, for a lot of, for a lot of people, particularly in the UK, Emma Raducanu losing round one in a slam. I'm getting ahead of myself here. It hasn't even happened yet. Losing round one in a slam is just you know, no further interrogation. It's just Crashes she won it out. last year. She's crashed out round one this year. And that's as much nuance as anyone seeks. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if that does happen, there'll be there'll be far more to it. But maybe it'll loosen her up. Yeah. Radicanu, the fact that the fact that this is somebody that that beat the world number one and ended her win streak at the last slam. The fact that clearly anyone can lose to Elise Cornet. Maybe that'll loosen her up. And I think Radicanu raises her game when she plays good players and big occasions you know she she's never lost in the first round mm. of a slam has she she's she's always hit the ground running in these events she knows how to start grand slams so yeah it's as i said i'm gonna just gonna repeat myself fascinating match i'll be there <laughs> uh, and look I'm, I'm happy to look ahead if she gets through to round three it could be naomi osaka oh, you're going round three okay and if she gets through to round four it could be the wimbledon champion elena abankina you know this is what we're dealing with uh, if you're an Emma Raducanu fan. Uh, look, obviously, those players may lose. Raducanu may not get that far. It's it's just a tantalising prospect, though, to, to look at some of these matchups. And, and that is... I mean, I, I just think back to Serena Williams losing to Elisa Corne at Wimbledon. Igor Fiontek, we watched Elisa Corne beat her, uh, didn't we, just a few weeks ago at Wimbledon. And, and she, I agree with you, Catherine, she's just going to relish the opportunity... <laughs> to just be on the stage and drama queen for the people absolutely so bring that on um, what else stands out in in the women's draw map if you look down that list you've got it got it there what 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 are the highlights well let's let's start at the top shall we Iga Svantec um, she plays Jasmine Paulini in the first round before a possible second round meeting with Sloane Stevens oh. That is a match I'd really like to see. And, and we, we play each other recently? We saw it very recently. Cincinnati. It was, it was two sets to Sviontek. Um, two quite close sets. She, she raced out to an early lead in both sets, got pegged back, eventually got over the line. And just looking at that top quarter of the women's draw, there are so many names in here. I mean, there's so many names throughout the women's draw. We know about the depth. But just in that quarter specifically, you've also got... Amanda Anisimova, who starts against Yulia Putintseva. You've got Yelena Ostapenko, of course, one of the only people on tour who knows the secret to beating Iga Sviontek, as, as she told everyone. She opens against Chimwen Zheng, which is a, another fantastic first-round match. You've also got Petra Kvitova in there. Bernarda Perra, who I believe at the time of recording 
hasn't lost since Wimbledon. She's on a 12-match winning streak. Um, Is she? Yeah, she won back-to-back titles on the clay. Do you remember when we did that pod with Charlie Eccleshare? We were yes. we were big on Bernarda Pera, and she's kept it going. She didn't play in in the right. in the Masters events, and now she's kept it going. Um, you've also got Garbina Muguruza desperately looking for form, and of course, because it's the number one seed section, you've got Jessica Pagula because she always lands in the section with the number one seed. But if there's a time to be in there, Iga Swiatek feels. I still feel if I had to pick a favourite, it probably is her, given what she did earlier in the season. But she feels much more vulnerable than she did in March, April, May, through to the French Open. So it's an absolutely fascinating top section of, of that draw. I haven't even mentioned Sophia Kenin, another Grand Slam champion in there, who seems to be finding a little bit of form in, in Cleveland as well. It's, it's, in the land? It's chock of block in the land. In Tennis the land. in the land. Form in the land. <laughs> wow. It's, a, it's fascinating, isn't it? And there's just so many storylines, so many intriguing matchups. And I think I, I ran into to some some tennis fans today that, that were going out there to to enjoy the uh, the fan week that they've got on here. I think it's a lovely initiative actually David, here. David's that's downplaying David, what that's happened. David just dropping the fact that he got <laughs> celebrity spotted in his first New York City outing. <laughs> For three years. On Lexington Avenue. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the four of them, great guys, and, and they were just, um, they were so pumped ahead of this tournament. And I was thinking, you know, if you're in their shoes, I mean, just the grounds pass here. If you if you can get out and about at this tournament, the buzz of Flushing Meadows is just immense. And, and I, I mean, I think that's something we really want to try and get across to you. And, and, and look, we're, we're as excited as all of those fans to, to see it and feel it. And, and Catherine will be presenting Prime Videos coverage. And you'll be out and about, won't you, this year? And, and you'll be amongst it all. And, and Matt and I are going to have a roving brief. I'll be doing commentary as well for BBC Five Live. But, you know, we just... There's something about coming back, Catherine, having not been here for the last two years. I, I just feel like I'm making, going to make the most of it more than I maybe did. It's just amazing to, to, to have this opportunity. Yeah, uh, not, no notes, nothing to add. <laughs> I love New York so much. I This is very excellent sitting here. Most excellent. Matt's uh, gone through three quarters of his confession. Thoughts so far? Might be ordering another. <laughs> Okay. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So, what about the men's draw, Matt? What are our, uh, what are our highlights in the men's draw? Well, I think... My big takeaway is that Rafael Nadal, second seed, has a better draw than top seed Daniil Medvedev. Now, obviously, it's you know those two kind of they can get equivalent draws. It's it's really random how it falls out. Medvedev's, I think, particularly if we're looking at sort of second week, which is always a dangerous thing to do. At, you know three days out from the tournament starting because that's what we did all of these players could have crashed out by monday or tuesday but um medvedev's potentially looking at a at a second week run to the title that includes kyrgios ogialiasim sitsapas and then nadal in the final whereas you take nadal's sort of equivalent run and he's looking more like schwartzman nori Herkatch. So I definitely think Nadal is, is, is on the better half of the draw compared to Medvedev. Um, and I think also Nadal's first week draw, which is maybe even more relevant for him because we know he needs matches, we know he needs time on court, isn't too bad either. He starts against an Australian wildcard Rinky Hijikata and then he potentially plays Fanini or Karatsev in round two who, you know maybe in years gone past I would have thought oh that's really tricky but I don't think they have the form at the moment hey do you remember when Fabio Fanini beat Nadal here yeah. at, at the US Open from two sets down I mean that was one of the <laughs> shocks that this mm. tournament has ever known um, I remember that watching that ruined my that ruined me for a week that much because because I, I had to get up, then I was doing day sessions. I had to get up for hair and makeup at sort of six o'clock the next morning, and it was I, I could not afford. It was a few days in, so I was already exhausted. I could not afford to be staying up and watching bloody tennis. <laughs> but you can't, you can't go to sleep on that. No, you can't. It ruined me. It, actually, I, I think. Don't you think Nadal has done a really good job of? rebuilding his aura since that period when he lost to him and he lost to Luca Pui here you know these are people that frankly just shouldn't shouldn't be beating Nadal when he's at his best and look Fabio Fanini is a mercurial brilliant talent but even so the, the resilience of Rafael Nadal's aura is something that we could do a whole podcast on I mean obviously the resilience of Rafael Nadal physically etc it is much talked about but you're right his aura 
the, the, the restoration of its luster. For a lot of people, once that aura is gone, once the shine off it is gone, you can restore it a bit, but it's never quite the same as it was. never quite like walking onto court, you know, three games up, which is sort of the cliched aura peak, isn't it? Um, the, the things he's come back from, really, and, and to, I also, to restore it. I also think the way he's developed his game since then, you know... To, 2015, 2016 is the, is the period we're talking about where his aura was a little bit diminished. He was losing a lot of close matches because he had the one the following year against Luca Pui at the US Open, as you said. And, and that was five sets that as was well. five sets so as well. So to lose two fifth sets yeah, felt, and, felt like a really damaging moment for but, him. But I just think, you know, end of the 2016 season, he was... He was humble enough to make the admission, OK, I'm going to bring in Carlos Moyer into my coaching team. And I think the way he's developed his game since then, I think he hits his backhand yeah. so much better. He hits it flatter, harder. He gets more out of his serve. He's more willing to come forward. I just think... More tactical. Yeah. The, the, the guy that won the Australian Open final this year is a different player. Yeah. To, to the one that was losing those matches. The way he just went okay none of what I normally do is going to work today so forehand drop shot all the time those all time greats they've all done a bit of that haven't they because Federer did his reinvention of his backhands and became very attacking and he changed the size of his racket head I mean and I think Djokovic it feels slightly more subtle but he always used to be the flexible backboard and he feels like there's, a, there's so much more to his game now than there was 10 years ago. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It, well, he's brought Goran Ivanovic on, which is obviously very clear. He's brought a lot more out well. of his serve. But he's also, he's tried things that didn't work. He brought Todd Martin on back in the day, didn't he? He changed his service motion a bit, and that really didn't work. And he, you know, sort of rode back from that change. But he's always been trying things never stood still and you're right that does does differentiate the greats six it's, minutes it, early it's it's 4 54 p.m <laughs> what on earth <laughs> so funny oh it's like clockwork ah well it is it is it's just <laughs> miscalib- mis- wrong. miscalibrated co- Why? clockwork are we reading too much into this little run of defeats from Medvedev into this tournament? Oh, it's like about Liverpool, think, isn't it? <laughs> I think we might be. I, oh, are I, they in crisis? You know, who's he lost to this last couple of weeks? Sitsipas, Kyrgios. Yeah, I mean, and you can lose to Kyrgios over best of three sets, yeah. and he was winning that I, match. I think the Sitsipas loss is more, slightly more worrying. I don't think he played that well in Cincinnati. Um, he never lost to Sitzpass on an outdoor hardcore. I think, feel like that was quite a significant record that he had of just really having a rival's number on a particular surface. Um, you, you're right. I, d- I don't think anyone should ever really be looking too much into a defeat to Kyrgios. But... So then take that out of the equation, then OK, it's just one loss to Sitzpass. But given the record going into that, I don't know. It's more the fact that he—I haven't seen him play 
Medvedev 2021 hardcourt tennis yet or even really Medvedev 2019 hardcourt tennis yet I don't think he's not for me he's not passing the eye test I just don't think he's playing that well but having said that I'm probably still going to be picking him to go far in the tournament just because so you're going to say win it I think I'm probably going to end up picking Rafa Nadal to win it I think um but as you said that combination of okay he's not his form's not been terrible he's still been winning a lot of the matches that he should be winning uh, and his his record at this tournament is so good I mean final in 2019 semis in 2020 champion last year I mean you can't can't overlook that you know and sometimes players get a really good feeling when they arrive at a tournament and they become a different player and I expect Medvedev to improve his form and yeah I, I, I'm not down on Medvedev really I just think he can be playing better than he is I suppose yeah I, I, I think I get too convinced by the lead in tournaments I think that's an Achilles heel I have and I'm determined not to this time but well when, when they when Nadal and Medvedev played in the final here in 2019 that had been the Montreal final hadn't it that year and then Medvedev had gone on to win Cincinnati. Nadal hadn't played Cincinnati. You know, I do. I know what you mean, but equally, form it's not nothing. No, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. Um, who? What are the other highlights, match-wise, that stick out? Matt? Kyrgios Kokonakis. Kyrgios Kokonakis. Oh, I mean, that's amazing. We assume they're going to play doubles together, and they've been drawn to play each other in single. I had to do a double take to make sure I wasn't looking at the doubles draw when I saw those two names together. I think we- that's quite tricky, actually, for Kyrgios. He's got a history of not when he really likes and respects someone, not being able to produce his best. Um, I think that's going to be interesting because he genuinely cares about Kakanakis mm. and and he's got to put him to the sword. He's got to find mm. a way to be ruthless. To be ruthless. He's got to switch that part of his brain off, hasn't mm. he? Very interesting. A little section of the draw which catches my eye, and I and you know I said earlier that Nadal has got the favourable second week draw, and I mentioned Hubert Her catches his potential semi-final opponent. I was overlooking Carlos Alcaraz, who is Ooh. who is also in in that half. And something that catches my eye is potential third round between Alcaraz and Borna Cioric, obviously the Cincinnati champion, the form player. And that's that's early enough in the draw that you feel like that really might happen. Carlos Alcaraz starts against Sebastian Baez, who came very close to beating Alexander Zverev uh, at the French Open this year, but again, he's more comfortable on clay. Chorich starts against a qualifier, might have Jensen Brooksby in his path, but that would be interesting to me. Chorich, Alcaraz. Can Chorich keep it going? Can Alcaraz refine the level he had earlier in the season? So that, that jumps out to me as an interesting section of the men's draw. Also, we should probably mention Andy Murray, former champion, of course. He's in the top half. He starts against Francisco Sarundolo. The better surrenderlo. Mm, that's not easy. Mm. I don't think that's easy. But it's not terrible. No, it could have been Daniel Medvedev or Rafael Nadal. So it's kind of a seeded player. So in his mind, he can make out in his own mind that he's the underdog. Yeah. And yet, go and, on. and if you take them out, then you 
but he needs you to be take winning the place it. Of his, yeah. You know, he's 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 talked a lot about feeling like he needed to get a seeded position. Okay, yeah. he hasn't got that, but as you said, he's got a he's got a decent seed. He would then play either John Millman or Emilio Nava. You know, it's not that's, a bad that's section the draw, of the draw he wanted. That's why he wanted to be seeded. He wanted to get all due respect, John Millman or Emilio Nava first round. I'm pick- Particularly Emilio Nava. I'm picking Andy Murray to beat Francisco Surundolo. And then he's and got take over that seeded position. Well, he's got a potential round three then with Matteo Berrettini, who is... He's just out of the conversation. Well, he's seeded 13 because, obviously, you know, he lost all his Wimbledon final yeah. points, didn't he, this, this year. Um, so he's, he's down in the seeding positions to where we've become used to seeing him. And also, as you said, no one's really talking about him but he likes yeah he likes New York no one was talking about him when he made his breakthrough here in 2018 so any more first rounds that you want to draw our attention to before I give you some news hot off the press oh please say no Matt because I want the news <laughs> no Matt let's, you... let's go on to news <laughs> <laughs> okay well we have the halves of the draw that are going to be played on Monday and Tuesday um, so we know that all singles matches in the bottom half of the women's draw and the top half of the men's draw will be played on Monday. That means Serena Williams and Daniel Medvedev are playing Monday. Um, and then okay. on what, what does that mean for Raducanu? Tuesday. Okay, so they, those Serena and Raducanu could both be night matches. Yeah. Although I, so I can't remember what their typical configuration of of orders of play are on, on Ash. Arthur Ash these days so on Ash they start an hour later in the day they start at midday rather than 11 and it's a men's match and a women's match and a, in the day session and the same in the night session right okay. I'd be putting Radicanu and Serena Williams matches first up in the night session Monday, Tuesday yeah yeah that wouldn't that be good oh that'd yeah. be amazing um, and then also on um, Tuesday Rafael Nadal and Igor Sviantek are going to be playing. So, when, 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 what does that mean for Kyrgios Kokonakis? Kyrgios is on the Medvedev side so of the draw. So that could be after Serena on Monday. Yes, please. I think that they're going to stick that on Grandstand or Ooh. Louis Armstrong because that's a classic Kyrgios kind yeah. of environment, isn't it? Okay. Um, yeah, I'll allow that. <laughs> and they're sending the police in just in case. Um, so. We've, uh, we've got it all to look forward to. It's all going to get underway on Monday. Before all of that, we're going to be at the media day tomorrow to talk to the players and to watch the final round of qualifying. Matt and I are really pumped about that to, to, to have a look around the courts while Catherine's going to go in, in and out with all the interviews as well. Um, and then at some point over the next few days, we'll do uh, another podcast to, to bring you the best of, of what we've heard and seen and spoken to the players about. Can't wait cannot wait to get out there and see what Flushy Meadows is like these these days whether that's changed at all um, Matt I think you're just about at the end of your confession um, so I think we'd better order you another one <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah many more of those to come over the next couple of weeks let's hope that depends whether you want the pod edited or not <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of doing it in person is we don't have to do too much editing <laughs> so another confession coming right up Okay, well, we will be back in the next couple of days. Time to be determined at this point, um, but we will have 
I can tell you news of our US Open mascot, and it's a belter, I promise. Uh, we've also got our own personal mascots. I've got Darwin, right, Darwin? We're still alive with Jack Draper at the moment in uh, Winston-Salem. Catherine has got Carter, and Catherine is just about going by the skin of her teeth with Maxine Cressy. Matt is looking very good at the moment with Ludmilla Samsonova. Barely losing game. We're all, we're all losing still alive. Yeah, who'd have thought it? <laughs> I know, incredible. Uh, so, we're, you know, we're, one of us might actually get some points, and I'm the one who needs them most, so please let it be me. Uh, Matt's sponsored by the dearly departed Gerald the Cat. Uh, Billie Jean the dog is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner are our executive producers and top blokes. And we are going to be back every day of the US Open and with another preview show after the media day. We can't wait for all of it. We hope you're enjoying it with us. Do follow us on Instagram because we've got lots of stuff going up on there. Do subscribe to our newsletter. We're going to have a big competition coming your way over the next couple of weeks. Get ready for that. Um, and we are alive on Twitter. We've got Hannah coming back to keep Twitter going for us and, and making us all giggle every single day on the Tennis Podcast, Twitter at Tennis Podcast. And, yeah, tell your friends about the show, get them listening, and we'll be back with you very soon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.